0: It's time to take a look around the NFL with our weekly visit from John McClain from the Houston Chronicle.
1: You need to see a dog make a play. No puppies. I need a dog to make a play.
0: Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. And John McClain joins us now on the phone lines to talk all things NFL. And John, we appreciate you as always. And I want to start things off talking some Al Davis tomorrow. It'll be 10 years since his passing, October 8, 2011. And of course, that weekend, uh, the Raiders were playing the Houston Texans. They're in Houston, and uh, they won. One with an uh, interception in the end zone, and there was only 10 guys on the field. That was uh, Matt Schaub through that interception to Michael Huff, and and well, the rest is history after that. But uh, just what did you think about, or what was going through your mind that weekend? I believe it was a Saturday when, uh, when the news broke that Al had passed away.
2: Well, I knew that Al had been ill, but, you know, Al Davis was one of those characters you thought would never die. He's just ageless. And of course that wasn't the case and you knew it was going to happen eventually. And they, they played that game Mm brow, And, uh, I thought it was very, it was a very moving experience. listening to them talk about it afterward. And, you know, it was the death of an icon, a guy who was, who helped make the NFL what it, what it is today. helped make the AFL what it was to be able to get a merger with the NFL in 1970 and certainly an icon. And, uh, one time, uh, I used to talk to Al because a lot of times he wouldn't talk to media people. And when I introduced myself to him a long time ago, I had an appreciation for the original AFL when he coached for Sid Gilman and they lost the first two championship games to the Oilers. And, uh, and because I because, and I was a kid, but I liked watching the AFL because it was more exciting. They threw the ball a lot. Houston had George Blanda, Billy Cannon, and Charlie Ennigan, and Bill Goldman and Charlie Kolar, and they threw the ball all over the place. People almost think of George Blanda as the Raiders' kicker, backup quarterback, and that's why he's in the Hall of Fame. And that's got something to do with it. But Blanda was a hell of a quarterback. George Hallis had been hiding him out in Chicago, and the Oilers' first general manager, John Breen, came from the Bears. And he knew where Blanda was hiding, and he knew what kind of talent he had. So they signed him, and uh, the rest was history. And uh, so I used, Al used to talk to me about the good old days because he knew I cared about it. And he told me some great stories, and uh, I always appreciate that. And he loves Sid Gilman. The only person I ever saw Al Davis uh, really show humility around, almost like he was intimidated was Sid Gilman. Wow. Sid gave him his choice. Sid's in the Hall of Fame, too, people always. And Sid was a head coach and general manager of the Oilers right before I got here. And Al had a great appreciation of what Sid brought to the game, everything about him. and So uh, I'll never forget 1999, I believe it was, when the Browns came back, Q, and their new stadium uh, on Lake Erie. They wanted to show it off. So at the Hall of Fame induction ceremony the night before, they took buses and cars and went down to see it and had a big party on the club level. And I remember going and they had everybody lined up outside the door to get into the club level. And they had these young people trying to say, Mr. Davis, no, you're over here. Mr. Gilman, I'm sorry. You're Mr. Ditka. Di- oh, sorry, Mr. Ditka. Trying to get all these great Hall of Famers lined up in the right spot so when they came through the door onto the club level, people could cheer for them and they would announce their name. And Sid Gilman was in a golf cart because he couldn't walk. And I remember all these greats coming over and shaking his hand. And I remember Al being on one knee, uh, talking to Sid so he could get close enough where Sid could hear him. And I thought that is the only person Al Davis would ever get on his knee for.
0: Wow. Yeah, no doubt about that. that's an awesome story right there. We're talking with John McClain from the Houston Chronicle. You can find him on Twitter at McClain underscore on underscore NFL. And and I know, John, uh, we've talked about it many times how much Al contributed to the NFL, how much he contributed to the AFL. I know it's so difficult to kind of narrow it down. But if you would say what his biggest accomplishment was or his biggest contribution was to the game of football, what would you say it would be?
2: Well, he was the commissioner of the American Football League and when they had the merger. One of the reasons that he didn't like Pete Rozelle, I think Al thought he was going to be the commissioner of the merged League, but of course Pete Rozelle was. But that Al played an instrumental role in that. And of course he put Oakland on the map, and uh, he put the black and the silver on the map, and pride and boys, board, boys and just commitment to excellence and just, just win, baby, and so many different things, winning Super Bowls with different players, giving John Madden. Nobody had a clue who John Madden was when he made him a head coach for the first time when John was in his 30s. And Al could win with different types of players. You know, Kenny Stabler wasn't a mad bomber who threw the ball deep like Daryl LaMonica was or Jim Plunkett could do. So Al put together different teams that won different ways. And the thing that impressed me the most I don't know. There's never been an owner who knew as much about football and coaching and scouting like Al did. You know, he ruled everything, and he ruled it with an iron fist. I used to love it when the Raiders were in town in Houston, and Al would be up on the second row where the Raiders' executives were, and the media was down front, and you could hear him screaming all the way at the other end of the press box, pounding his fist on the table when the Raiders screwed up. He would get so mad but nobody even though there's supposed to be no cheering no noise in the press box
3: who
0: was going to walk down there and say, "Mr. Davis, could you please keep it down?" Nobody, <laughs> right? No doubt. Oh, that'd be great. That man, I'd love to have been around to just check that out and see that firsthand. Uh, again, talking with John McClain from the Houston Chronicle here on unnecessary roughness, and uh, you know, we, we've heard it so many times, John, that the the league is a better league when the Raiders are better, and there's certain teams, iconic teams, that 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 stands for. But I mean, when you think about that, I mean, how 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 powerful is that for a franchise to be that influential? on the league that when they're better, the league is better.
2: Well, that's a fact, and there's other teams like that, like the Browns. The Browns have suffered so long that the NFL is better when they're better. It was no fun to watch the 49ers dynasty crumble. Now, I love it when the Cowboys are bad, but a lot of people would think the Cowboys need to be good, but the Raiders, the Browns, and the Browns are back, and maybe the Raiders, they... Got a chance to be four in one year and what start started off as the toughest division in the NFL. Uh, you know, it's it's still weird to think of Las Vegas Raiders, but I'm guessing most of their fans are coming from Oakland and Los Angeles because it's, it's such an easy trip to get there. And, of course, they dominated, dominated the Monday night crowd as everybody knew they would. I always thought, kid, this was a thought in the NFL, that it was the Raiders should have gone back to L.A. and the Chargers should have gone to Las Vegas because the Raiders have built-in fan base, uh, not only with just fans from when they were in Oakland, but also when they moved down to L.A. and played in the Coliseum. And they had some some unbelievable fans in that stadium and so it just to me would have made much more sense to do it like that
0: yeah no i've heard a lot of people say that and i've actually john i've heard people say that the reason that really didn't happen is because since uh uh stan Kroenke was building that stadium he didn't want there to be as much you know what i mean as much as uh raider fans as, as ram fans do you think there's anything to that
2: absolutely because the chargers don't have a big fan base you know their fans are back in San Diego. They don't. Most of them don't care about them now. I'd love to know what percentage of their attendance comes from the San Diego area, but I'll guarantee you you didn't want to learn the hard way about how many fans the Raiders had
0: in the L.A. area. Right, absolutely. We're talking right now with John McClain from the Houston Chronicle, talking all things NFL. And, uh, you know, I wanted to ask you about Nick Martin. He's a guy who signed with the Raiders uh, in the offseason as a free agent. He spent uh, many years there in Houston as a center and guard. Uh, what, what, are, what are your thoughts on Nick Martin as he looks like there may be some moving and shaking going on along the Raiders' offensive line, and he may be asked to jump into action. Uh, what kind of player would the Raiders be getting if he does uh, hit that offensive line?
2: Well, Nick started every year he was here. He was a second round pick. Uh, the only time he didn't start was when he broke his ankle, and that was early in his career. And the Texans' offensive line, they got rid of the coach. They wanted to make changes. They brought in a new center, just Britt from Seattle. And uh, I thought, when Nick sign with the Raiders, that's going to be a good move from them because uh, Nick's a good guy. He's smart. He's played with a bunch of different guards, he can adjust. He's not gonna be overpowering on the run game. He's not quite three hundred pounds. You know, his brother Zach Martin, who's a better player, but Nick's a good player, and a good guy, and if he gets a chance, I hope like he plays well.
0: There you go. Well I I tell you right now, their center, their current center, Andre James, he's struggling a little bit. He's hasn't been a starter very long, but he's struggling a little bit and so Well putting
2: Nick Martin in there. He's been a <laughs> starter a long time. And he's not old. Right. It's
0: just he started
2: from the get go here and he started on division winners. And playoff teams.
0: There you go. There you go. Well, if the Raiders are listening, go ahead and give Nick Martin an opportunity because, again, they've got to get that offensive line. Uh, they got to get that thing put together quick, fast, and a hurry. Well,
2: what do you mean if the Raiders are listening? You tell me not John. <laughs> now, I don't think John Gruden's listening, but I know for a fact he gets your shows taped so he can listen to them later so he can figure out what to do with his team. Mike Mayock <laughs> may be listening live you know how's going to operate without listening to Q? Hey,
0: you're not you're not wrong, John. You're not wrong at all. That's right. There's somewhere in the archives they're listening to your boys. So we're we're uh, we're holding it down. We're trying to give as much advice as possible. Uh what are your thoughts on what's going on in Jacksonville with Urban Meyer and this whole situation?
2: I've never seen anything like that and it it is such a lack of common sense. So so stupid. Number one, to not go back with your team, lie about what you were doing, then be dumb enough in your own bar or restaurant with cameras everywhere to have some woman twerking in your lap, and then to lie about everything. And how does Urban Meyer stand in front of his players and demand accountability? He has no credibility. And I guarantee you those players have gotten a big kick out of it, but they're also, I'll guarantee you, they're infuriated. The owner, Shad Khan, he's infuriated. It's just a terrible situation. Now, can you imagine this? They play the Titans at home. They should lose. When they go to London, London media is tougher than anywhere in the world. Can you imagine, Q, what they're going to be asking Urban Meyer? What they, they got like 15 newspapers in London, Mm. you know, the way it used to be in New York 40 years ago. And those people are vicious. I can't wait to see what kind of headlines. Ever almost every paper over there is like the New York Post and the New York Daily News with screaming headlines, as controversial as they can get it. I'll be shocked if he doesn't get fired. And I'm guessing he's been put on notice and one reason they didn't fire him right now is because they do have that trip coming up and it means so much to the NFL but I'll be stunned if he gets out of
0: the season. Talking right now with John McClain from the Houston Chronicle here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. My man DeMond wanted to ask you a question.
3: Yeah, John, um, the cons, they put out a statement, well, ownership put out a statement that he needs to regain their trust. So you kind of just said it there, but do you think this London trip is the only reason he hasn't been fired yet? Because he's not going to win any games, so how does he regain the <laughs> organization's trust?
2: That's a great point, DeMond, and I have no idea. Only time would tell that. He would have to go in there, make no mistakes, work harder than ever. But the problem with Meyer, ever since he got hired, and he hired that guy that used to be an offensive line coach that got in a lot of trouble, Mm -hmm. and the stories came out, and then he had to fire him. Then he was fined two times for breaking NFL rules during OTAs. Now they've lost every game, and they're losing streaks at 19 games. I'm guessing that he would have to work harder than anybody, make sure he stayed on the straight and narrow, and hope over a period of time players would start to believing in you again. But I don't care. That if, if, if he's standing there telling a player in a meeting, now you're not accountable. And how can he say that with a straight face when he's not accountable? And, yes, everybody makes mistakes. But it's not like he's young. It's not like... That thing, oh, I shouldn't have let him pull me out on the dance floor. He wasn't on the dance floor. He's on a stool. And he had a woman in his lap. So I think I don't think he can ever regain their trust. I don't think he can ever have credibility. Some of these college coaches where they are bigger than the governors in their state, they think they can get away with anything and they can do no wrong. Then they get to the NFL, and it's different. And I'll tell you what, Roger Goodell has said the personal conduct policy that he holds front office executives, owners, coaches, he he holds them to a higher standard than the players. Well, if that's the case, he's got to be suspended because he violated the personal conduct policy by embarrassing the shield.
0: Yeah, no, as he, he's absolutely right about that. And I, I didn't even think about that. But, John, you're spot on. I mean, that's what Roger Goodell has said that multiple times.
3: No, I just wanted to say Urban Meyer needs to give the same speech that Tebow gave in 2008. You're not going to see a coach work harder than me (laughs) that's going to put more dedication.
2: That'd be a a great speech to mine, but everybody would start laughing as soon as they saw him do it (laughs) because that's not going to be the case. Right. And he can't do anything he wants with the Jaguars in the NFL like he did at Ohio State and Florida. So I'm thinking that he'll be one and done even if he makes it – to the end
0: of the season which i don't believe he will yeah no i don't either i'm i'm really i'm not a betting man but if i was i'd pretty pretty much put money on the fact he ain't going to make it through the rest of the season john before i let you go matt rule he's doing a lot of moving and shaking there in carolina Uh, i really respect him as a head coach he's made a couple big trades for a defensive backs he went and got cj henderson from the jaguars and then he picked up uh, stefan gilmore just the other day Uh, what are you thinking about what uh, matt rule's doing in carolina it feels like he's going all in on this year
2: He's trying to win now, and I I think that's very commendable. Sam Darnold's playing great. Sam Darl has run for five touchdowns. There's teams that haven't scored five touchdowns. And Christian McCaffrey hopefully will be back this in this week, if not next week. And uh, they think that they got a chance to get in the playoffs. They're not going to beat the Buccaneers to win the division. They could certainly compete for the Saints with the Saints for a wild card berth. But I tell you what, Stefan Gilmore is about to turn 32. He's been on physically unable to perform. I don't know if he's really hurt or if it was a hold-in because he didn't get his contract redone, but he wants a big contract, and I don't know any 32-year-old cornerbacks that are going to get that. So he might be a one-and-done there where Henderson's a young guy, first-round pick a couple years ago. But, hey, they're trying. If it doesn't work, I hope people say, "Okay, oh, they shouldn't have done that. The fact is, they're trying to win, and one reason you try to win is for
0: your fans. Exactly, exactly. I love the fact that he's going out there and he's being aggressive and trying to make some moves. and And I like what he's done in year two. I mean, it's it's you know his his college career has shown that he's getting it done in three years, but he's he's trying to get it done in, in year two. So uh, I could appreciate that, John. Great stuff as always. Texas Sports Nation is where you got all your stuff that you put out. What What do you have coming out that fans should be on the lookout for?
2: No, I've got a column tomorrow about if if uh, Tyrod Taylor's ready in the next week or two. Does he get his job back? Or does he stick with rookie Davis Mills who's coming off a terrible game and a forty to nothing loss at Buffalo? Q in the mind, thank you guys very much as always, and I look forward to it talking to
0: you next week. Absolutely. Thank you, John. We appreciate you. That's the great John McClain right there from the Houston Chronicle, Uh, one of my favorite guests that we have here on the show each and every week. Uh, Man, Hall of Fame voter, just a good dude right there, and he knows so much about the game of football. And uh, DeMond, how how much you love those Al Davis stories at the beginning of the conversation?
3: Oh, they were fantastic. He's just, like, got so much knowledge. Right. You just think, like, He's been he's been around that long. All right. No, no disrespect. But it's just like, oh, wow. He's like, I was talking now, Davis when I was young. And it's just like, wow.
0: Right, right. He starts talking I about the AFL. AFL fan. Yeah. Well, what gets me what I get excited about and, and you know it because you're here and you see me in the studio, but everyone listening has no idea. Whenever John says, I remember and then he starts to tell a story. <laughs> what do I do?
3: Q gets the pointing at his back. Like, you know, <laughs> I don't know if like... I just started some yeah, stuff. <laughs> he points at his back. He's giving like the come on gesture. You know, he's pumping his fist. It's like Q's like when when a end makes a good sack. Right. That's Q when he gets a good question. Picture this. When Max Crosby gets a sack
0: and he goes and does the arrow shoot or whatever and, and gets fired up, that's basically what I do when John McClain says... I remember, I think it was 99. And as soon as he says that, I'm like, hell yeah, that's a good story coming right now. Because we're in
3: for a story right now. Yes, Boom.
0: exactly. But that's the kind of stuff that drives me is is those kind of conversations and those kind of answers from uh, from a guest that we have. And John McClain has some of the best, I'm telling you, best stories to tell uh, about the NFL, the AFL, and just the game of football in general. 320 is the time. Many thanks to John McClain right there for joining us. He does it each and every Thursday. Coming up next... Got our NFL pick We got to go through the week that is, the upcoming week Week five. We're already in week five of the NFL season. There is games tonight going on. Well, there is a game going on tonight. Seattle and the Rams. Nice NFC West uh, showdown. So me and Demon are going to hustle through our picks. And then we got Ted Nguyen from The Athletic joining us at 3.30. This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Give me your best. Hey, Raider Nation, this is Hall of Famer Marcus Allen, and you're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920. <laughs> <laughs> hey Ra- hey, Raider Nation this is Marcus Allen and you're listening to Radio Station 920 say Raider Nation Radio 920 Raider Nation Radio Station 920 welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness, Unnecessary Roughness. here on Raider Nation Radio 920 so I'm going to have to kick you you know what today
4: here's your boy Q
0: coming up in just a few minutes we have Ted Nguyen from The Athletic he'll join us to talk all things offensive line little film breakdown Talk about what he's seeing from the play early on in the season, Alex Leatherwood. What we could expect to see from the play of Brandon Parker. What he's seeing from center Andre James. Colton Miller. No Richie Incognito. John Simpson. Talk about all that. We'll really focus heavily on the offensive line. Obviously, that's been the the subject of the day so far here on Raider Nation Radio 920. But haven't had very many callers yet today. We've been a very action-packed show. So let's go on out to the Raider Nation listener line at 702-365-9200. Let's talk to Fargo Raider. You're up first. What's on your mind this afternoon?
5: Hey, what's up, Q and DeMond?
0: Chilling, man, chilling.
5: Hey, I just wanted to say, first of all, uh, I cropped up when uh, McLean said that word twerking, man. And some i <laughs> saying that word, it just killed me.
0: Yeah, buddy. Yeah. yeah.
5: I'm, I I wanted to actually share a little little tidbit here. I grew up in Santa Maria, California on the Central Coast, and I went to college right there at uh, Allen Hancock College where, believe it or not, Madden actually coached there. Nice. You know, and th- that was one of the greatest surprises I ever got in my life that he coached there, and Al Davis hired him to be the coach of the team that I grew up loving. Um, it was It was awesome to find that out. Also, I just wanted to I just wanted to chime in on the line. I I think as far as uh, Leatherwood going in the guard and Parker being on the outside, I know Parker's been a little shaky at times on that on that tackle position. But being that um, Leatherwood played guard uh, in Alabama, maybe he could help him uh, out out there as a guard to help the tackle. You know, since it's more of a natural position for him. I'm sure they'll still try to develop them into the tackle, but I don't think it's too bad of a move. We're trying to get to the playoffs. We're trying to win games, and I understand that maybe right now it's not the greatest time to try to teach a young player to play a position he hasn't played as much.
0: No, good stuff. Good stuff. And you're you're right. I mean, and that's what it's all about. John Gruden's trying to win right now. He's trying to win games right now. And and that's what that's all that matters. And so he doesn't care. And I think Vic Tafer said it best. He doesn't care where you were drafted. He don't care how much money you're making. He doesn't care what the expectations are, what your actual job title is. Uh, He's just trying to put the right players in position to go win. Is that going to work? I mean, that's to be determined. TBD. I don't know. But I can respect them for uh, giving that effort and trying and trying to figure it out because again, and Cassie Soto said it earlier in the show today. She said, "Hey, you, you know, you can go two, three, four more games and then realize that hey, that's not working, and then you might look up and it might be too late." So, as much as I don't think anyone really wants to see drastic changes through four weeks. That's where, that's where we are right now as fans kind of watching watching what they're doing, watching the movement that they're making, and trying to see if they can go ahead and win games. One more quick call we'll get to. Uh, we'll go out to uh, Oakland, to the five one zero. Talk to our guy, Rich. What's on your mind, my man? Hey, what's going on, Q? Chilling, man, chilling.
1: Yeah, so um, I guess we got the news, Leatherwood going to right guard. You know, it is what it is. You know, we got to put the best five out there that we can and we'll see how he does. Park Brandon Parker got a lot better. You know, he got some snaps in the Pittsburgh game. Uh, uh, I don't know how he's going to do at right tackle for the whole game, though, but we might catch a break because uh, Hicks hasn't practiced at all with a groin injury all week. He went out the first play of the game, I think, uh, last week, and Khalil Mack also hasn't practiced at all with a foot and rib injury. So that's something to watch. You know, that would be a huge break for an offensive line, and – Obviously, we want to play them, you know, with all their players because you know, make it a good game or whatever. But hey, let's keep it real. The mm-hmm. offensive line is struggling right now, so we could any break that we could catch would be dope, you know. So we'll right. see how, how how they come out and play. And another thing I noticed about the offensive line, all and I think offensive line and Derek Carr also at times that the offensive line at the beginning of the game they're shaky like that. I don't know what it is. Even Tom Cable mentioned it that they have a lot of anxiety or whatever the reason is. You know, they're young. They're shaky at the beginning of the game, and towards the end of the game, they start, you know, more confidence and all that. So, I mean, we need to we need to start off quick. we got to put some points up no matter what. A lot of quick passes, some slants. Let's help out Brandon Parker, you know. Chip, if Khalil Mack is playing, or Quinn, he's a monster too. Just chip the whole time. Give Brandon Parker some help, and I want to see a big game uh, from Drake. We got to use him. This, you know, this game he's he got cashed out, hasn't really done much. So we'll see what happens. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully, we get that dub.
0: Right. No doubt. Thank you for the call, Rich. I do appreciate you. And uh, yeah, man, I mean, there's got to, there's got to be something done. Lincoln Kennedy, I played a little soundbite earlier in the show. Uh, Lincoln Kennedy talked about chip in and using tight ends and that's what they've been doing. But uh, I mean, they, they've got to be able to get it done just on the line itself. You know, they got to be able to make things happen. And you know, Drake, uh, he's been disappointed as far as I'm concerned. He's been really disappointing. Uh, I thought he was signed to be a good one-two punch with Jacobs. And of course, Jacobs missed a couple games, but uh, all in all, man, he's just he hasn't been running between the tackles very well. Uh, he's been catching the ball backfield, but he hasn't really been hitting the holes, and he hasn't been blocking very well either. And So I think that that's the reason why Peyton Barber was needed so much, and now Peyton Barber's out uh, with the toe injury. So there's that. So thank you so much for that uh, that call, my man. I do appreciate you. Uh, now on the phone lines, patiently waiting on the Raider Nation hotline is our guy Ted Nguyen from The Athletic. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at FB underscore film analysis. And, Ted, we do appreciate your time day and as you can imagine the conversation on the show has been about the offensive line especially with the news some rumblings came out yesterday but the news kind of became official today that uh, Alex Leatherwood the first round pick was taking snaps at guard and Brandon Parker was there at the at the tackle position the right tackle position uh, what are your thoughts on that move uh, do you think that Alex Leatherwood will have a chance to be more successful at least you know immediately at that guard position
4: uh, I, I think that you know, if you're looking at Alex Leatherwood as a, a tackle and a future right tackle, which sounds like the Raiders, what the Raiders want to do in the first round, um, I think that moving him to guard in the middle of the season is going to hurt his long-term development there. Um, I, you know, I, I've heard the arguments that, you know, players have done it before, like Jonathan Ogden has done it before. But with those type of players, the plan when they drafted him that type of player and uh was to move the guard in offseason give him a chance to acclimate to guard in offseason and have and eventually move him out to tackle but that's not what happened Raiders. right now what's happening is they're moving him in the middle of the season and you know believe it or not playing tackle and playing guard are, are very different positions and I'm, some people that uh, have played mad in all their lives may not understand that, but it's not that easy to just kick back down to guard. Right. And I know that Leatherwood has some experience playing guard during his time in Alabama, but, you know, his, the NFL is a different beast. And, you know, after struggling to learn some of the techniques and things that he needs to learn to tackle, uh, being asked to just kick down to guard is going to be difficult for him. And, you know, who, who knows, he might play well, but, you know, I, I think that just generally looking at it, it it's not going to be an easy ask for him. Um, but I do believe that Brandon Parker can be an upgrade at the right tackle position now. Um, you know, I, I thought Brandon Parker had a couple really good games last season at right tackle before he started regressing. When he, uh, I know when he he had a couple of good games playing left tackle, and then he regressed when he went back to right tackle uh, last season. So you know, hopefully with more time to prepare and another offseason with Tom Cable, he's he's more prepared. For his, um, I think maybe second or third opportunity at yeah. at the, you know the starting lineup.
0: Yeah, no, he's had multiple opportunities. Maybe this is the time it clicks. I know he came into uh, the game against Pittsburgh and played a half of the game and, and did. Did fairly well, I thought, but he wasn't going up against T.J. Watt. He was out of the game, so uh, you got to kind of take that for what it's worth. Uh, let me ask you this about Alex Leatherwood, because Lincoln Kennedy, uh, he was on the air here talking about uh, he goes to the strength too much, the strength move. That that was one of his biggest issues, where if you just try to overpower the, the defensive, defensive linemen every time, they're going to beat you. They're going to use your strength against you. Is that what you're seeing from Leatherwood on film as well?
4: Um, I, I think it's mostly with his hand usage, um, and you know that was a problem for him at Alabama, and it's you know it looked like he was getting a little bit better during the preseason, but he wasn't going against real pass rushers, you know NFL starter type of pass rushers in the preseason. Uh, so obviously the speed of the game is a lot different when you're facing against guys like T.J. Watt um, and Joey Bosa, and we saw that in uh, on the one of the first pressures that Bosa had against him, where Leatherwood tried to put his outside hand. Uh, too close on the inside towards Bosa's chest. Bosa was able to just expose that and and knock it away and get the edge on him. Um, And, and, you know, he he is a developmental type of tackle. Uh, So I think the Raiders knew it was going to take some time to um, get him acclimated, but I don't think they expected him to struggle this badly. And it's tough when you are a team that's competing for the playoffs and uh, you know possibly trying to win a championship. And you're trying to develop a young player that that is that far behind, which is why you know I I see why they made the move. Um, It's better for the team now, but I don't think it's great for. Uh, Leatherwood, unless they are planning on keeping him at guard for the rest of his career.
0: Talking right now with Ted Nguyen from The Athletic. You can find him on Twitter at FB underscore film analysis here on unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. And uh, how much of uh, you know uh, Leatherwood's development hurt by the fact that Denzel Good, he went down in the first game with a torn ACL. Richie Incognito hasn't been there at all this season. So the offensive line has just been kind of a work in progress, not just Leatherwood, but multiple players throughout the course of the season
4: yeah it, it's difficult when you don't have a veteran next to you who could help you and you know it, you know I, I think with some of the technical problems the uh, having a veteran next to you is not really going to help you too much but mm-hmm. from a confidence standpoint and uh it, it just helps to have somebody next to you that knows exactly what they're doing and it could kind of quiet his mind a little bit um but you know uh, it, it's hard to say that if he had a veteran next to him he'd be uh, significantly better, played better than uh, what he's what he's shown so far in the first four games.
0: Ted, I also wanted to ask you about the center position. Andre James is a guy that they turned the ranks over to when Rodney Hudson was traded to the Cardinals. Uh, they saw something in practice that they liked. They gave him a contract extension, and then they brought in Nick Martin, who's a, a veteran from the Texans. They brought him in uh, to back him up, but. Andre James hasn't been able to figure it out quite yet either, and so through four games, he's been pretty much a disappointment. What are you seeing from Andre? What do you think his biggest uh, issue is right now?
4: Uh, a couple things. One, his ability to snap with consistency is um, has been lacking, and, and you know we see that with some snaps that are a little too high and, and off-target that really affects the play, and, and two, his snaps just look kind of slow. like They look like they kind of flutter back there, and when you're playing quarterback, you need every millisecond you can get uh, to scan the defense and see what's going on in front of you. And when you have to wait for the snap, it it kind of could affect the operation a little bit. Uh, So, you know, I I think he has to continue to really work on his his snapping and getting it more consistent. And two, uh, he just trips a lot. Like there's too many plays where he just falls down and he's on the ground. Uh, So, you know, that's not good. And um, I just think that. I do believe that with more experience, he'll get better. I see some encouraging signs, so I'm not out on um, Andre James just yet. Uh, but, yeah, I think he needs to work on his snaps. And, two, we don't want to see him on the floor. He, you know, he needs to be upright and, and blocking.
0: Right, absolutely. Yeah, that, that's that's an issue. We've seen some guys just kind of fly by him. And like you said, uh, Andre James is is on the ground. We're talking right now with Ted Nguyen from The Athletic. we got my man Demon here. He wanted to ask you a question. Go ahead, Demon.
3: Yeah, Ted. To look on the defensive side, we all saw on that one play where the Chargers weren't able to complete the pass, but Damon Arnett flat out got burnt. And with the injuries that the Raiders are facing at corner, what do you think they should go for that other that other outside corner? Yeah,
4: you
3: know, I'm curious to see what
4: Amik Robertson could do. I think when he was in the game for Casey Hayward, he didn't give up any big plays. I could be wrong on that, but just that's just based on what I've seen and remember. And, you know, I, I really liked Amit Robertson's college tape. Um, and I, I'm really curious to see what he could do. I, I think he kind of established himself in camp. And, um, you know, when um, when Hayward, uh, I think it was either Hayward or Mullen that left the game against um, in, in week three, uh, Robertson was put in ahead of our Nets. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I'm curious to see what he can do. I think he is a ball hawk. You know, what he. The only thing he's lacking is height. um, so you know you might see some jump balls, jump balls with taller receivers against him. Uh, but you know he he has solid feet. I think he has good eyes, and he he's just in a really aggressive corner.
3: Yeah, do you think that do the bears have the type of receivers that they can expose maybe that height differential with a couple of jump balls like that?
4: Yeah, I mean, Allen Robinson is a really good jump ball receiver, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt we'll see him get tested a little bit. But you can't live on jump balls, you know. So that's. Um you just don't want to see him lose a jump ball in
0: a, uh, a high leverage situation <laughs> right something some critical moment yeah you don't want to see that be the case but he did a good job I thought against Mike Williams uh, uh, last week or on Monday so uh, yeah he's a guy that they're probably gonna lean on pretty heavily looks like our uh, Arnett is banged up he who knows if he's coming back uh, Mullins banged up who knows if he's coming back I mean there's a lot of concern in that secondary and Ted before we let you go I want to uh, go back to the offensive line real quick John Simpson he was a former fourth-round pick out of Clemson uh, he's been slid into that spot there that Richie Incognito uh, has not been able to play at at all this year. Uh, what have you seen from Simpson, and do you see any encouraging signs that maybe he's getting a little bit better as well?
4: Hey, he's been inconsistent pass blocking, but you know, I I, I thought he had some good run blocks. Um, I I, you know, I think with him, I, I see him. There's signs that he's getting better, so I'm not too concerned uh, about Simpson. Uh, I, I thought he played well in the in the second half of that Chargers game.
0: Good. There you go. There you go. There's some encouragement right there. See, that's how you do it, Demond. You wrap it up on some on a positive, on a positive. See, there we go. That's how we. That's how we roll. Ted, great stuff as always, my man. What you got coming out on the athletic that uh, football fans, Raider fans, should be on the lookout for?
4: Uh, I just wrote a piece about the uh, five rookie quarterbacks, including Justin Fields, mm. who the Raiders will see because yep. you know the Bears just announced he will be the long-term starter there. Uh, so if you, you know you want to get a little bit of a preview of um, the Bears quarterback, go ahead and check that out on The Athletic.
0: There you go, and that's called a tease in this business. Look at that, man. We ended on a positive <laughs> and a great tease. Ted, uh, the professional as always, my man, appreciate your time, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. No problem. Thanks for having me on. No doubt about it. There he goes. Ted win from The Athletic. On Twitter at fb underscore film analysis and uh, yeah, it does a really good job breaking down film and you like that man. We just gave you a radio tutorial, you know. We just kind of ended the interview on a high note on a positive, and then boom, hit you with a nice tease. There you go. I was gonna ask him about Justin Fields coming to Allegiant Stadium, but since he wrote about it, it's one of those. You know, it's kind of like you're 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 talking you're talking with someone on an infomercial or something like that, or you're watching an infomercial. <laughs> right now (laughs) for a limited time offer don't go anywhere (laughs) (laughs) exactly exactly 341 not only is he going to tell you about justin fields (laughs) the
3: other four rookie qbs that are also starting See, there you go
0: there it is that's how we do it that's how we do it 341 that's the time when we come back, we'll give our NFL picks for the week. Of course, the Rams and the Seahawks kick things off week five of the NFL season. Plus, we got a couple more minutes that we should be able to squeeze in a call or two. We're going to hustle through these picks. It's unnecessary roughness here on Radio Nation Radio 920. It's unnecessary roughness. The judge, Lester Hayes, joining us now. That's why Q, of course, our team, kept winning. Kept winning Q because
2: of our training. You got to put in the work. And the time and the perseverance and the patience to train your body and train your brain. Welcome back, Welcome back to unnecessary
0: roughness. unnecessary roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy Q. We are going to train our bodies. We're going to train our brains. It's unnecessary Roughness. Raider Nation Radio 920. Little outcast right there, little bombs over Dan. Isn't that one of the dopest beats ever? It is, man. I love this beat.
3: Every time I hear this, though, so, you're watching the movie How High. Yeah, a yeah, real I've seen good it. classic. Yeah, just yeah, like yeah. a little montage song. <laughs> you know, the boys are really gonna get the act together.
0: Right. We're gonna get into our uh, NFL picks in just a second, but I did want to hit the salmon ash text line real quick. Six nine one eight seven keyword R and R. My man Don said, everyone knows Erica Badu changes cats. They all went weirdo after Old Girl. I, I'm not gonna deny that. Andre 3000 just went a whole different direction after Erica Badu. I was very disappointed by that. Because Erica Badu is very talented. But she's got some she's got some tendencies, man. <laughs> She'll make, make you do some crazy things. As Water usually does. All right. 347 is the time. Quickly we're gonna hustle through our NFL picks for the week. Damon, I went 11 and 5 in week four. My overall record is 45-20. How'd you do?
3: Eight and eight. And what's your overall record? 39-27. That's yep. not bad. That's uh, not bad. I'm hanging in there. Yeah,
0: you're hanging in there. Not bad. Not bad. If I have one bad week, and I guarantee you, I will. It's on the way. Don't worry. You'll be right back in it. Just hope you don't have that same bad week.
3: Yeah. <laughs> then no, you're in trouble. The no, no week I'm like,
0: I'm going to just pick every pick he gets. <laughs> yeah, and that'll be the worst one. All right, let's go ahead and kick things off. We'll go through this real quick, fast, and in a hurry. Tonight, Thursday night football, the Rams at the Seattle Seahawks. And before we... Get into that. I do want you to know Clay Baker from the Morning Tailgate will be at Chickies and Pete's tonight for Thursday Night Football. So go enjoy and hang out with Clay Baker from the Morning Tailgate. He'll be there from about 5 to 8 o'clock, and he'll be calling in to Vinny's show in just a little while to let you know he's there. But brand new hot spot here in town. Chickies and Pete's, great sports bar. Got that East Coast feel right here in Las Vegas. My man Clay Baker will be out there locked and loaded with a bunch of prizes, having a good time. Go check him out. Thursday Night Football Action kicking off week five. All right. Rams Seattle Who you got The Rams I got the Seahawks I've been rolling with the Seahawks all season long This is a tough one for them But I'm going to roll with Seattle
3: They're the NFC team The way I'm always betting against the Bills The Seahawks are the NFC team I'm like I don't think they did good Right 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 They, they got to lose and Look,
0: they, No and the Seahawks have been proven not to You're absolutely right I just think that maybe they got right last week against San Francisco So I'm going to roll with the Seattle Seahawks Sunday morning The Jets at ATL The Falcons Who you got
3: I'm gonna get Maddie Ice one more try. All right, I I need, I, and I also just need to just lose.
0: <laughs> I got the ATL as well. Also Sunday morning. How about this one? Oh, and that uh, New York ATL game, by the way, that was in London, and Calvin Ridley's not playing. I'm still going with the Falcons, but that's a London game. So if you wake up very early in the morning on Sunday, you could check it out.
3: Six thirty. Six thirty in the morning. <laughs>
0: Green Bay at Cincinnati. The Bengals are looking really good this season so far. Green Bay looks like they're coming to earth. What do you, or uh, coming not to earth, but they're, they're coming back doing their thing. So what do you got? Who do you Green got? Green Bay all day. I got the Packers as well. The Detroit Lions at the Minnesota Tim- Timberwolves. Minnesota. <laughs> they might be the Timberwolves. The Vikings. Who do you got in this one? Detroit or Minnesota? I'm going to give it to Minnesota. I got the Vikings as well. Pittsburgh Steelers are hosting the Denver Broncos. Denver took their first L. Who are you going with?
3: Denver, I can't pick Pittsburgh.
0: I know that I'm probably going to regret it, but I'm going to roll with the home team. I'm going roll with the Steelers. I think their defense is going to get it done. I don't believe that the Broncos have a good quarterback situation yet. I don't care what Teddy B's done. He's dealt with concussion as, as well. I don't really – Drew Locke is very good. I think their defense will Both get it better done.
3: than Big Ben right now. This would be the one pick where Again, if I lose this one, I it's said, like, oh, it's just football. I'm no expert. But if I lose <laughs> this one, I'll be like, come on, man. What's going on?
0: Again, I said Pittsburgh's defense is going to win this one, not their offense. Tampa Bay is hosting the Dolphins. Who you got? Tampa. I got the Bucks as well. The Saints, they're on the road taking on the Washington football team. I'm going with the Saints. Jameis. Come on. It's Jameis. You gotta go with Jameis. All right. All right. The Philadelphia Eagles at Matt Rule and the Carolina Panthers. Where are you going?
3: I'm going to go with Carolina. You've sold me on Matt Rule. Maybe he is as good as you say he is.
0: He is. I'm rolling with Matt Rule as well. I'm a a firm believer in what Matt Rule's got going on in Carolina. How about this one? The Jacksonville Jaguars, Urban Meyer, he'll be at this game, we think, (laughs) is hosting your Tennessee Titans coming off a bad L to the Jets. Boy, they about to go down there and smack them up. All right. I'm going with the Titans as well. New England Patriots, they gave Tampa Bay a run for their money. They're at H-Town taking on the Texans. Texans are not very good. Where are you going? New England,
3: Belichick's going to scheme up meals too good.
0: All right, Mac Jones, I got him as well in the Patriots. We'll do the Bears and Raiders at the last. Uh, Cleveland is in L.A. taking on the Chargers. The Browns have a run game. The Chargers defense is suspect against the run except for on Monday night. Who do you got?
3: Let me get get Cleveland.
0: I'm going to roll with Cleveland as well. I think the Chargers are going to come off that high of winning that game Monday night talking a bunch of trash and feeling good about themselves, and I think that they're going to take that L, so I got the Browns. Uh, The G-Men. At the Dallas Cowboys, Cowboys defense is looking really good. Are you going to go all the way Bart Scott on us and go with the Giants upset? What are your thoughts?
3: No. (laughs) I'm going Dallas. (laughs) I'm going Dallas. He can have that for himself.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you can do that. Bart Scott definitely picked the Giants to win this game. I'm rolling with the Cowboys as well. This is a good one, I think. The Cardinals are hosting the San Francisco 49ers, another NFC West battle. Cardinals, last undefeated team in the league. Where are you going? They're going to stay undefeated. All right, I'm rolling with the Arizona Cardinals as well, but I did go back and forth on that one. And how about this one? Sunday night football action, Kansas City Chiefs, their offense going up against the Buffalo Bills and their offense. Kansas City is hosting it. It's at Arrowhead. I got Buffalo.
3: You know I got to pick against Buffalo,
0: Kansas City. You're going with KC. I got Buffalo on the strength of their defense. I look at both offenses. They're really good. Come on, man. That game. Both offenses are really good. Who has the better defense?
3: Buffalo, but still. There it is. They've buff. been playing bad teams. Is one of the stats. Come on. You shut out the Texans. We don't know if that defense is Buffalo's good.
0: defense is better than Kansas City's. I know Kansas City's defense is not good.
3: I do know that. Sometimes facts don't matter. Okay. Well, facts are
0: Monday night, the Ravens are hosting the Indianapolis Colts. I'm going with Baltimore. Who you got? Baltimore. All right. And then finally, Sunday afternoon, 105. You can hear the game right here on Radio Nation Radio 920. The Raiders host the Bears I went back and forth on this game not gonna lie I went back and forth based off the offensive line cuz I know that the Raiders weren't gonna go undefeated I picked them to beat the Chargers knowing that they were going up against a strong defensive line this is going to be a dogfight I think it's gonna be a lot closer than even Bears fans think I know a lot of Bears fans who believe that the Raiders are just gonna blow them out I think this is gonna be really close ultimately I'm gonna go and pick the Raiders But I think this is going to be another one of those games on Monday. We're talking about a roller coaster affair and a heart attack game. So I'm going to pick the Raiders in this one.
3: I'm going to pick the Raiders, too, because they haven't lost at home yet.
0: All right. There you go. Small sample size, but okay. Yeah,
3: yeah. But like I said, facts don't matter. Facts don't matter. Allegiant Stadium. It's got something different about it. All right. There it is. Well, that's our picks for the week. Raiders haven't lost a home game when I'm in the building. Okay. Well, you've been at both (laughs) games.
0: I guess maybe you need to go to L.A. then. Maybe you should have gone to L.A. True story, the Raiders haven't lost a game when I'm in the building. I didn't go to L.A. Just throwing it out there. I'm just throwing it See, out there. Yeah, I don't know, man. I'm just throwing it out there. There he goes, though. That's our uh, week five picks. Can you believe it's already week five of the NFL season? It's blind, by. That is stupid. That is just stupid blying that it's already by. week five. We wait all offseason long to get to the regular season, and then it just is phew, done.
3: I know fans think it might be going by, but for us, I'm already thinking about next week now. Who we gonna have on the show for next week? We got a top this week.
0: Well, I'm thinking about tomorrow's show. We ain't got the, we ain't got through Friday yet. Friday's gonna be exciting. I'll tell you some of the people that are gonna be on tomorrow's show as we navigate through the celebration of Al Davis's life tomorrow. Let me just give you a couple of the names that is gonna be on the the shows tomorrow. And this starts in the morning with uh with with Clay Clay Baker at the morning tailgate. Of course, my email closed down. Jim Plunkett's gonna join the show. At 9 a.m., you'll hear the Al Davis Hall of Fame speech about 9.15. JT the Brick is going to have a conversation with John Gruden. You'll probably hear the Al Davis speech again. 2 o'clock, about 2.10, former Raider head football coach Hugh Jackson is going to join the show. He was really tight with Al. 3 o'clock, Marcel Reese is going to join the show. Also, there's a chance that our guy Mike Taylor, who was with Al for many, many years. Mike Taylor's a great dude. My man. He'll join the show. And then also... Former exec John Herrera joining the show as well. And that's just the lineup as of 356 on Thursday. There's a good chance that we're still going to add some more to the lineup. So there's a lot of great interviews, a lot of great guests, a lot of great thoughts that you're going to hear on the life and times of one Al Davis. We'll celebrate his life tomorrow. We will have a celebration of life right here on Raider Nation Radio 920 about Al Davis. Coming up next. Vinny Bonsignor in the huddle, and he's in the huddle live at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, Raider HQ. He'll tell you everything that he saw at practice today. He'll give you his thoughts on the O-line. Alex Leatherwood kicking inside. Brandon Parker kicking to the tackle spot. He'll give you all that, and he'll do it next for the next couple hours, plus Clay Baker. Chickies and Pete's inside the Sahara Las Vegas. He'll be there for Thursday night football. Have a great evening. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Holla let your boy when you see him in the streets. It's Raider Nation Radio 920.